Is it right for God to judge people who worship other gods? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me as always is Brian Dimbozik, our managing editor. So Brian, we are hitting a really important passage in scripture in the nar- overall narrative of the Bible's big story. Um, it's also a really difficult one because it is the fall of Israel, which we find in 2 Kings chapter 17. So, um, how about we jump right into this and start talking through some of the narrative beats? Well, of we, this. we can answer the question you pose at the top of the of, of the podcast and simply say yes. Well, we he, could. He, he is right. Thank you for listening. We could. We could. You want to go a little bit more? In we depth? should probably go a little right. more in depth, and that's why we're studying this passage today. All right, let's talk about it. All then. right, let's I mean, it, it would have been a great short episode. <laughs> it would have been that would have been the top downloaded podcast episode, probably. Absolutely, two minutes long. That would have gone in our Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right, so let's talk right. about Second Kings seventeen. As you yeah. said, yeah, this is a really important uh, passage. I think we say that quite often. But we do well. We have scripture we back us up. every time. All scripture is inspired and profitable, so <laughs> it's all important. Um, yeah, so this is this is where we see another important to use that word again turning point uh, for Israel in their history. This is where the northern kingdom of Israel is taken into captivity because of their sin, because of their idolatry, and so forth that we'll talk about. So bringing us up to this, just just to kind of back up, if we remember, we have been looking at the United Monarchy that started under King Saul, uh, and then David reigned, and then Solomon reigned. And uh, each of their their reigns had some positive things. Even mm-hmm. even Saul's early on, we we tend to look yeah. past that in Saul's reign. But all of them had some positive. David probably had much more positive. Uh, Solomon he expanded the kingdom and so forth. But they all also had big problems. Yes, and at least by the end of each of their reigns. There were some issues going on. Well, Solomon, as we remember, one of his issues was he had a few too many wives and mistresses, uh, because as we know, more than one wife is too many. Uh, And so he was not obeying God in that way. And also he was allowing those multiple wives and mistresses to influence him to worship false gods. And God, of course, was uh, not patient with that. He has, uh, he's a jealous God, a consuming fire. So he let it be known to Solomon that he would be judged. He'd be disciplined because of this grievous sin and the kingdom would be torn in two but out of God's mercy and grace, he would allow Solomon's family to continue reigning over part of it. And so that promise was made to Solomon, but Solomon did not see that come to pass. His son Rehoboam did. Mm-hmm. And so Rehoboam becomes the king. And uh, we remember that Rehoboam was asked by the people to go easy on them. And he listened to the very poor advice of his peers and said, man, if you thought my dad was hard, you haven't seen anything yet. And that's when the kingdom split. Yeah. Well, from that time forward, we see the northern king of Israel led by a series of wicked kings, no good ones, uh, different families, different dynasties and so forth that that are ruling over the northern king of Israel. Meanwhile, the southern king of Judah are, is reigned by David's family uh, and mostly bad kings, but some good ones mixed in. Yeah. 
And all along, God is sending prophet after prophet to both these kingdoms, warning them, I'm not going to tolerate your sin, your idolatry, uh, the way you're treating one another. This is wrong. Judgment will come if you do not repent and the people do not repent. And so by the time we get to 2 Kings 17, judgment is coming upon the northern kingdom of Israel. That's right. uh, and, and, and time is up. The warnings, the gracious warnings are over. It, it, judgment is here. Yep. Yep. So it was a bad day in uh, King Hoshea's house when that happened. Yeah, he was king at that time. It was, a, it was definitely a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, what are some questions that uh, we should be asking when we read and when we study this passage? Yeah, I think the first one is to really try our best to understand deeply the sin of Israel. Mm-hmm. How exactly did they sin? Because this is going to this is going to dovetail to how we view God's judgment over them. You know, the, the question that I flippantly you know answered at the top yeah. of the it, it's a legitimate question. Um, when we look at this, and, and the question may not be does God have a right to do that? More often, I think it may be, man, it seems out, out of balance. Yeah, uh, he it seems like his judgment was too stern. Um, and, and so to deal with that proactively, we need to understand the sin, two things. You understand the sin of God's people, you understand the holiness of God. Yes. And you will see those are nowhere close together. <laughs> yeah. They tend to be polar opposites. Yeah. So, so Israel, we, we just think through the, the sins, the multiple sins they committed. Um, they were in alliance with Assyria against God's instruction. Uh, they worship false gods. That's usually what we think of their their blatant idolatry. Uh, sometimes they tried to worship Yahweh as well, you know. And, and it's one of those paying lip service uh, to God part of the time. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you run out and and you're you're playing the harlot with these other gods. Lowercase G. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ignored God's warnings over and over again. His gracious warnings to them. Uh, they rejected his prophets over and over again. But you know, ultimately, you can say they failed to believe who God is, that he is good, uh, that he would protect them. They did not need to form an alliance with with anyone else, Yeah, uh, that God would sustain them, that he's all they need. They, they failed to understand their greatest treasure was God himself and to live for him. That's what led to their idolatry. That's yeah. what led to their, their poor alliances and so forth. Yeah. But it's not just that. It's also that they failed to believe that God actually would judge them. Yeah. And that's yeah. and that's a key thing is there is a presumptuous attitude that comes from uh, that that we see coming from a, a hardened heart like this that despite God sending warning after warning through prophet after prophet pleading outright pleading with the people why will you die? Yeah. I don't want you to die is what he says to them. And yet they don't listen. They're like, "Eh, it's fine. And don't we all do that? We all do things like this, that we we know that there are things that are bad for us that are are wrong. We see them go wrong with other people. And yet we think that somehow we are going to be exempt from that. So, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, another thing that we that we need to wrestle with, that we need to ask about as we study this this passage, is what does it mean that that King Hosea did evil, but not like the kings who preceded him? It's kind of a weird thing for for that to be included in there. But uh, the answer is really more or less simple. It's it's really that basically he just wasn't quite as bad. As the others. Yeah. So um, there's some indications that there was more of a 
there was a little bit of worship of, of Yahweh, the God of Israel, along with the along with other gods, the gods of the nations, as opposed to just solely going all in on false gods. There was a little bit of a half and half kind of deal. Um, either way, it's still wrong. Yeah, yeah, and it's still sinful. It's still idolatry. Um, it's still worshiping things that something or someone other than God. And that is and that is a, a great sin in the eyes of God. And so when the Bible says that he was evil, but he wasn't as evil, it just means that there was a little bit of restraint on yeah. his evil. And, and it's not good enough. No, exactly. Yeah. Restrained yeah. evil is still yep. evil. Therefore... Um, therefore still worthy of judgment, which leads us to the last question, last question that we should be asking, um, really as we're, as we're wrestling with what is very, very much a short passage of scripture. Yeah. And, and that's goes back to the, the question you asked at the top of the episode, is God right to judge people? Um, is God right to be angry with sin? And of course the answer is, is yes. Now, Again, for us, those are obvious. That's kind of why I jokingly said, all right, let's just answer it and move on. Sure. But I think we have to remember, especially if we are leading a discussion about this in a small group, not everybody in that small group may know the answer to that, or they may not agree with the answer to that. And so it's an it may seem like an obvious question, but we should not dismiss it. And we should be ready. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves to yeah. tips, but we, we need to be ready to interact with that group member who pushes back right. on this um, and says, no, 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 but God is love. He shouldn't be angry. We need to be ready to address that, that, yeah, it's it's God can be angry and love at the same time. Yeah. Those are not mutually exclusive. We think they're mutually exclusive. They're not. Yeah. Um, God's, God's love drives him toward anger um, many times. And so we have to understand the answers to these questions that we might take for granted and be ready to have discussions about them that, yes, God is right to judge because he is sovereign. He, he is the creator. Mm-hmm. He owns everything. And so he has absolute right to judge. And does he have the right to be angry? Yes, because he's angry anytime his people rebel against him, fail to bring him glory as we were created to do, um, and miss out themselves. Uh, that it's it's for their good. They were missing out. And yeah. so God's anger drove him to loving judgment of his people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the one of the next questions that we should be asking about this, which is one that we ask of every passage that we that we study both both individually and of course on this show, is how does this passage point us to Jesus? Yeah, I think the first way is really uh, I mean, internal. It's it's thinking about the the hearts that were warped of mm-hmm. God's people. And again, when we when we talked about their sins a few minutes ago, that's why we kind of lifted that one up. That they failed to understand who God is. Yeah, uh, they failed to to worship and honor God. They failed to love God. Uh, it's a heart issue. Heart drives conduct, and so their hearts were at the center of their problem. Um, what about us? How often do we fail to love God, honor God, worship God, and so forth, because our hearts may be in a similar wrong place? And so we need to understand that we, too, are just as susceptible to idolatry in a different form. Uh, it may not, may not be 
you know, false gods, statues and that kind of thing, right. but it, it could be possessions and, you know, popularity, relationships, yeah. you name it status, on Status, symbols, yeah, status. anything. Uh, yep. But we, we can still commit idolatry today because of our heart posture. So just like God's people needed somebody to deliver them from their heart condition yeah. that led to judgment, we too have needed somebody to come and deliver us from our heart condition and judgment that is coming. Yeah. Um, and, and, and on that same note, one thing that it should do as we read this, as we wrestle with this question of this issue of judgment, really, is it should remind us of our need for Jesus to save us from these kinds of sins and every kind of sin, really, that sin is sin is pervasive in our lives. The, the answer as we as we wrestle with the the heart posture of of the people and then and then examine ourselves we should find that the answer is yes we do these things too we are just as guilty of these same kinds of sins we may do them in more socially acceptable ways mm-hmm. we may even do them in christianly acceptable ways and yet they're still sins they're still wrong and so we need Jesus to rescue us from those because it's not enough for us to say, hey, you know, hey, Brian, stop being so concerned about money or popularity or power or whatever. Um, that's not going to telling you to quit it isn't going to do anything. Yeah. It's not going to change the issue. Deciding on our own that we're going to try and white knuckle our way to a different form of behavior also isn't going to going to change anything. You're just trading one problem for another in that instance. Instead, we need Jesus. And Jesus is the one who can save us from these from these sins and he is the one who transforms us and gives us his spirit to make us more like him each day. Yeah. And so that's what we need. That's who we need and it's our only hope. So, um, now let's think about this passage from the perspective. We are we already hit on this a little bit, but but think about um, think about our, our small group leaders or um, our student ministry leaders, our kids ministry leaders and volunteers. Um, you know, think about the people that we're engaging with one on one with as well. Um, what kind of gu- guidance can we offer? Um, in working through this passage with other people. Yeah, I think, l- let me start with um, anybody who's who's leading kids, either in a in a church environment, a context of, of a small group, or parents, mm-hmm. and talking through this issue or looking at this passage. I, I think the first thing we have to do is, is let them wrestle some with, with this concept of judgment. You know, sometimes, I, I know this is true of me, mm-hmm. uh, there are times that I just want to teach my kids. I want to give them the answers. I want to tell them what is true. Uh, there, there's a, there's wisdom in letting your kids reach that on their own with yeah. with your help guiding them, of course. Yeah. But so this instead of instead of coming out and saying, "Hey, God is right to judge," and here's why, kind of what we did mm-hmm. a couple minutes ago in this podcast. Yeah. I, I think there's a place to to let that your kids deal with that. Hey, what do you think about God judging? Does that seem like it fits your view of God? Yeah. And let them speak to this. Let talk through it with them and help guide them to this understanding of what what God's judgment, his justice, how it is is within his character and it's good. Letting them 
get there will deepen it in them and and it'll be more of theirs rather than yours that they heard from you yeah yeah exactly and one of the things that's really great there is is as you as you walk through that kind of stuff with kids particularly as you just listen you may be surprised and encouraged um as you as you hear what God is doing in their hearts yeah. and their minds. I mean, one of the things that we have a tendency to do with kids is we tend to shield, try to shield them from the more nasty bits of Scripture. Yeah. Um, this is a passage like that that many people would have a hard time teaching to kids. They maybe never have done it. Yeah. Um, we talked about Hosea on a previous episode. That's one that rarely ever gets taught to kids. Um, you know, Genesis, most of Genesis is the same kind of way Um, on. And basically you play Bible roulette and you'll find a passage that that you'll be uncomfortable with um, teaching to a kid. But the the reality is, is that God is working. God is working through his word in their lives, too. And it's so the full counsel of God, as you know, as scripture calls itself, um, the the whole Bible is for everybody. Yeah, and this one I think is is actually a really good one because you think about it, kids are, are they're more accepting of authority than we are. Yeah. They, they see authority in their lives in so many different forms. So whether it be parent or whether it be a teacher or whatever. And so they have a, a keener awareness of the right of authority to discipline. They may use different terms, judgment and so forth, maybe, but the yeah. concept is there. Yes. And so I think it's easy for us as parents or t- leaders to use that to our advantage and then help them connect the dots of, okay, why do you think your teacher has rules of no hitting or no jumping up and down and, t- you know, and, and start thinking, yeah. okay, it's, it's for the good. That's why. And so I think it's easier perhaps to mm-hmm. get kids to an understanding of God's justice and judgment being good and right and fitting than some adults. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of, um, maybe this isn't the best word for it, but for lack of a better word, there's a lot of deprogramming that has to do with adults. Um, We've picked up certain ideas along the way. We've, um, you know, we, if we're brand new converts as adults, we have a whole lot of baggage that comes with that. If we, you know, if we grew up in the church, we have a whole lot of baggage, a whole lot of different kind of baggage. So everyone's got their carry on and their roller bag full. Um, and some Some people have have two bags checked. Some (laughs) have a giant, um, you know, a foot locker (laughs) (laughs) or a tank. I'm not sure. (laughs) But, um, anyway, the, the. That's just stuff that we that we have to be aware of. Um, I think one of the other things that we need to do, though, is we also really need to press home the reality of sin, and and so reminding no matter who we're talking talking to, wrestling with this this question of what is sin? Mm-hmm. Is sin um, just doing something that God says not to do, or failing to do something that God says we should do? Um, that it goes so much f- further and so much deeper than that that it's really a that it's really a heart issue and that ultimately sin is in a very real sense an act of idolatry itself because when we sin we are putting someone or something other than god at the forefront of our lives and ultimately we're putting ourselves at the forefront because we're saying i want this 
and I don't care. Yeah. About anything else, and again, that's a concept that you can that you can work through really easily with kids as well. Um, I mean, it's a very black and white uh, thing to a degree, but when you start explaining it that way with them, they get it. And so, again, don't be afraid to deal with the question of sin and the reality of sin with children because they need to know what that is too. Life is not just about making wise choices or making or and avoiding unwise choices. Um, life is about living fully worshiping God. Hmm. Yeah, good discussions to have with with any age group. I, I think the third uh, the third one here is to again spend some time sitting in this conflict that we are prone to feel between God's goodness and his judgment. We we kind of hit on this a few minutes ago, but mm-hmm. um you know we we tend to think that it's th- that they're mutually exclusive, that God cannot be angry and loving or good at the same time. Uh and and that's a a wrong perspective. We know scripture says clearly God disciplines those whom he loves. Uh as a parent, I understand this to a degree, uh, that there are times I, I discipline my kids because yeah. I love them. I know it's what's good for them. They, it may not feel good to them, but that's that's where it's coming from. Now, yeah. I'm a sinner, so there are times I, I discipline my kids not with that best of intention. Yeah. I'm frustrated yeah. with them, or but I'm a sinner. God is not. His, his judgment is always good. It's always right. Um, and so for us to sit in, in this internal conflict that we feel and press and, and why? Why do we feel this way? And I mm-hmm. think for a lot of us, it's this false e- equivalent that good is easy and comfortable and, and yeah. rosy and, and so forth. And in God's economy, that's not always true. In God's economy, there are plenty of times where good is painful. Yep. Um, and, and we have to press into that yeah. because it's such an important truth in our lives that so much that we experience is hard, but it's good. Yeah. Um, and so that's a conversation I think is is really worth having. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think alongside that, um, an important point of that conflict is to is to help people understand that God's response to sin is always in direct proportion to the offense. Mm. And so we tend to we tend to try to bring God down to our level, very like all the time. It's just what we want to do. We we want to take the creator of the universe and make him like us um, so that we can understand him. The problem, of course, is, is that he is so much bigger than us that we, we simply cannot. And when we do this, we create, um, we create false views of God. And so we, we see, we think about how we would on our best day respond to something um, versus how we usually actually respond to to things, um, or we we think about our worst responses and we read those into how God acts and how God speaks and what He declares, what He decides to do, and we have to remember that God is not like us. He sees things that we don't. He understands better, and it's difficult for us, but it is so necessary for us to embrace to whatever degree we can. So, so Brian, I think that is a good place for us to wrap up our conversation today. Um, and so listeners, thank you for, for checking out 
today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.